worship, I, I felt or this image of <clears throat> it was like I was trying to swim through like uh, uh, vegetable beef soup. <laughs> that was the picture. I'm sorry, but you know. <laughs> Can you imagine? So I think you swim through nice, clean water in a pool, and you know you can see everything. But imagine swimming through vegetable soup, you know, and there's like big chunks of stuff, and it's murky, and there's maybe maybe a river of soup, <laughs> and you get hit with stuff, and like there's obstacle, a plan, and the plan is for good, and not for disaster, not for bad, and that plan is to give us a hope and a future. <clears throat> And I, I looked up this word just before service, and the Hebrew word for to give us uh, a, a, a hope in a future, the, the, the literal translation is a rope. You get the picture? Because they were in some hard times. People he was prophesying this to. But God God had a rope to cast out to them. Shh. Catch the rope. And reel you in. Alright? He can rescue you out of whatever situation. <clears throat> and that he has this already planned out. He has it already laid out. Well, a similar thing happened to me. Um in finding out that sometimes God has orchestrated things well in advance. Some of you know that I wasn't here last week. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and in six days, my family traveled 1,800 miles, uh, ministered at two different churches, Prophesied over I don't know how many people. Two two hours solid. It was a blast. I don't get to do this that here because I know all of you. <laughs> but when I go to other churches, I like to prophesy over people because I don't know them. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, and uh, uh, in between the two churches, I ministered last Sunday in a church in Baltimore. The church in Baltimore, as a matter of fact. Hey, and you're there. <laughs> Is it Jeremy? Jeremy. Stand up. He's from the church in Baltimore. Give him a hand. Yeah. I bought the side over them, didn't we? How'd I do? Was it okay? Okay. <laughs> and then we, uh, we ministered in Baltimore, and then I'd never been to New York City, and so, and I thought, oh, hey, Baltimore's close to New York City. <laughs> Three hours of highway. <laughs> so we, we drove our big van to downtown New York City. That was fun. <clears throat> I'm like, what? Stinking downtown. Uh, Broadway and 7th, man. We were right downtown. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, spent two days uh, looking around. It, had, it was fun, but it was exhausting. And then ministered at a church on Wednesday. <clears throat> uh, Ralph Beisner was with us. Some of you may know. But uh, last Sunday was Father's Day. And one of the things that we value and flow in is the message of the Father Heart of God. And so I, I came prepared to teach on the Father Heart message uh, to this church in Baltimore on Father's Day. <clears throat> and um, a little detail that uh, 
uh, even the pastor out there doesn't doesn't know. But before the service, they, they have church at three thirty in the afternoon. That was kind of it was kind of cool. You know, you got you know, had breakfast, went out to eat, kind of took a nap. But they didn't sleep because the whole time the Holy Spirit was just was just saying, "I'm going to make you like a father." Uh, uh, to the particular in a relationship uh, to the church there that we're going to be ministering and and uh, and I was like yeah I'm teaching on the Father's heart of course you know whatever I just wanted to take a nap <clears throat> but that was just speaking to right and um, so I was actually trying to dismiss that I'm going to make you like a father I'm going to make you like a father okay whatever uh, <clears throat> and I get to the church it's Father's Day I'm speaking on the Father heart of God. And they had me walk in, and I think it was in the first or second pew. And if I had set, set they just the second Sunday, they'd been meeting in this, thank you, <laughs> sanctuary of an Episcopal church that was built before the Civil War. Yeah. So it's this beautiful, ornate uh, 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 sanctuary, just absolutely stunning. But the, they hadn't been used for some time, and, and so they, they, they were allowed to use this sanctuary. And the second Sunday, they'd been meet, meet, the church had been meeting in there. I sat down in the pew, and the worship had already started, and the light shined in through the window and reflected off of something in the wall. And while I was sitting there, it caught my eye. And um, so I, I looked up at it during worship. I said that can't be that can't be what that can't be what I'm, I can't be see. Why don't you put the picture up there? You can't see it very well, but in old churches they do this. They put little plaques on the wall, and in memory of, and it says in, in memory of Ernest W. Wright. That's my father's name. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> In the middle of worship, I walked up and I said, Tori, I said, Tori, come up here, look at this. And, I said, and, then, and then he was married to someone named Kathy. And Kathy's my wife's name. I'm like, wow. And then, the, <coughs> okay, you can put that down. Put the picture away. Uh, and then <coughs> um, the pastor gets up and he starts talking about how um, it's amazing that God had orchestrated um, and that uh, even hundreds of years ago this building was built and there was a destiny for this building that this building would be filled with people that would offer up praise and that the sanctuary would be, you know, and that, that things, that their lives were aligned and things were put in place before we even arrived there. Alright? And then he says, you know, the Bible says we have many, fa- uh, many teachers in Christ but not many fathers. And I just want to introduce uh, Pastor Cameron. So he introduced me as a spiritual father. And by this time, my head is spinning. Okay? Literally. I'm going, what in the world is going on? Uh, and so that's why I don't know how well I preach, because I was literally just kind of dumbfounded. Uh, what are the coincidences that I would be in a church in a city I'd never been to in my life, and just happened to sit in the right place? If I'd sat in any other seat in that sanctuary, I would not have seen that plaque. Okay? And it had my father's name on it. And it was Father's Day. And I was introduced as a father. And the point is, what's the point of that? 
Adam, could you help me out here? <laughs> you know what the point is? There's the plan. Alright? God has a plan. And when we're in His plan, we can have an expectation of good, of a future, and a hope. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together. What? For good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Alright? All things work together for good. All things work together for good. Let me read a commentary on this because I think it really pulls out some of the meaning. Again, this is from Adam Clark. It says, um, And we know all things work together for good for them that love God. To understand this verse aright, let us observe, one, that the persons in whose behalf all things work for good are they who love God and consequently who live in the spirit of obedience. In other words, if you don't love God, things aren't going to work together for good. Got it? All right. <clears throat> Number two is, it is not said that all things shall work for good. But, the Greek word, they work now, listen up, they work now in behalf of him who loveth now. Okay, that would be the literal translation or the, the essence of the, of, the, uh, of the Greek word that Paul chose to use. That they work now, everybody say now, now. in behalf of him who loveth now. You don't have to say that part. <laughs> now. And there was another prophetic word this morning that had to do with now. Wasn't it? Somebody said it was now. And Lacey, when you read the scripture, it had that in that. That it's, it's now. Alright? <clears throat> Listen up. For both verbs are in the present tense. Okay, so what, what the Bible is speaking about is not something in history. Not something in the future. But he's saying they work together for good now. Alright? Could I ask that that clicking sound? Is that a child's toy? All right. Is it okay? Could we delete that? <laughs> Lewis walked up to the refrigerator the other day. He's seven, my seven-year-old boy. All right. <clears throat> and he opened up the refrigerator and he said, Who deleted the milk? Just like a guy, too. He's such a guy. Like, who deleted the milk? <laughs> like, these kids play too many computer games, all right? <clears throat> all right, back to the Scripture. This verse does not say all things work for good. But rather, it says they work now in the behalf of him or her who loves now. Because both verbs are in the present tense. All these things work together. While they are working, God's providence is working. In other words, God's active will, His purposes are working, along with all the other stuff. Alright? His Spirit is working, and they are working together with Him. And therefore, whatever troubles, like an upset stomach, 
you know, or difficulties we're facing, afflictions or persecutions may arise, God takes those things, those obstacles, and presses them into their service. In other words, puts them and uses them to produce what He wants. And they make a part of the general working and are caused to contribute to the general good of the person who now loves God. It's very important. You understand it's a now thing. It's not, well, I used to love God. Or I theoretically love God. Or I believe in the idea of loving God. If you're actively, present tense, loving God, whatever things that are going on in your life are going to work together for your good. Are you hearing me? Okay, they're going to work together for the good now. <sighs> Who is working by faith and love under the influence and operation of the Holy Ghost. Those who say sin works for good to them that love God speak blasphemous nonsense. <laughs> you know, when you're writing a book, you can just say stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so I'm just quoting this guy. I mean, in other words, he, the Bible doesn't say you can just do whatever you want. Right, and this is why a man who a man or a woman who now loves God is not now sinning against God. And the promise belongs only to the present time. This is really important. The promise belongs to the present time. And and listen to this. This is a sermon in and of itself. He says as love is the true incentive to obedience. Bill Johnson, pause. <laughs> Love is the true incentive to obedience. Why should you obey God? Because you love Him. There are no other. There's no other. Now it w does mean that your life will be easier, and more things will 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 work for your good, and you will most likely experience blessing. Or martyrdom. <laughs> it is a blessing. Yeah. It is a blessing. Thankfully, it's one of those spiritual gifts that not, you know, a lot of people are called to. <laughs> but it is a blessing. But... Love is the true incentive. Why do we obey? Because we love. And when we love, whatever is going on in our lives, whatever consequences, work together in the present for my good. The man or woman who is entitled to the promise can never, while thus entitled or loving God, be found in the commission of sin. You see, because when we sin, when we do something that's, that knowingly is against His will, you are not acting in love. Alright? I love God. Well, that may, you may have, you may believe that, but if you commit sin, while you're committing that sin, that is not love. Because you're doing something that is offensive to Him. And if you love someone, you don't do something that's offensive. So obedience is the expression of love, pure and simple.
And dis and so if you're disobedient, what does that mean? You don't love God. You 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 have room to grow <laughs> in love. Because we all we all listen, it'll take an eternity to get to know an infinite God. All right? How long will this take? Forever. You know? And this, this I want to get move on a little bit. It says, um, Isaiah 58, verse 12 says, this is a, another prophecy about God's people. And so it's something that we can lay claim to ourselves. And I'll try to tie this in. It says, from those among you, from uh, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And so this is a prophetic word over God's people that defines the identity of God's people. And part of our identity as a church and part of our, our identity as individual disciples of Jesus Christ is that we are ones who build up uh, places that have been broken down. All right? That we shall raise up... Uh, I love it how it says we'll raise up foundations. Foundations. <laughs> well, foundations don't go very high. <laughs> right? But we build the foundation upon which for many generations... So we lay a foundation that generations will rest upon. Everybody says Shuba. <laughs> I'm sorry. So think about this. I show up at a church in Baltimore. This building's been sitting there for 150, 200 years. I don't know when the plaque got on the wall. Well, on Father's Day, and there's my father's name, Ernest William Wright. Wow. Wow. And he's talking about God preordaining and predetermining our path. And he introduced me. He said, he said, I don't think it's any accident today. This is exactly what Pastor Matt said. I don't think it's an accident today that Pastor Cameron is here on Father's Day. So give him a big hand while I'm like, you have... <laughs> and I get up and I said, you have no idea. <laughs> and so God orchestrates. And I think the, the, the purpose and, and what the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate here is that, you know, we don't know what's going on. Most and I was talking to some guys yesterday, and like who would have who would have thought, you know, this would happen or that would happen, but it all lines up because God has a plan, and if we stay in love with God, that plan will work for our good. So at that moment I was experiencing good. This moment I'm experiencing good, right? When I get out of love, then it's not good. But when I'm in love, it's good. Because that's the plan. Are you hearing me? And God, and we have to embrace this truth. 
And there's this idea of an incremental progress. You know what incremental means? Step by step. A lot of people think, man, I've got to be full on all the way holy righteous tomorrow. Or else I'll just give up. And so they keep giving up. You know what God wants you to make? God wants you to just take like, let's just move forward. That's good for today. You know? Some people, some days it's like this. It's like, whoa, whoa, that's great. But every day isn't like that because if that were to happen, we'd be to be wacky. All right, I've been there. <laughs> See, I'm telling the truth. All right, it's like there's a. This is why some people don't understand how how God works. There are times of revival where God moves His people forward in in mass quickly. Always following that, there's times of settling and shaking. Because God's Word promises everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so people get into a revival mode and think, this is it! Oh, I feel God! Like they were we got to stay here! And I remember this 15 years ago when the, when, when the revival that changed my life and changed millions of other lives and is still going on um, was happening. People were saying, oh, it's going to stay just like this until Jesus comes back. And I, I mean, pe- smart people were saying that. <laughs> I'm like, no, it isn't. You know, you can't go have nightly meetings every night for four to six hours, you know, and keep your lawn mowed. And the laundry done, you know. <clears throat> I was talking to Fred right about this same dynamic, and and um, <clears throat> he's the head of our association. And I was talking to him about you know you know intense conference like things and the value of that opposed to the value of this, just building a church, and and, and how I had been I have been transformed. I have fallen in love with the church. Uh, in the idea of the church and you as a church and just church so much that like these conference things that used to mean so much to me, I, I actually have to struggle to value them because I see such value in sharing life together. All right? and, 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 and Fred says, yep. He says, but we need parties. You know? And it's true. We need to have a party. But if you party every night, then you're just a partier, right? I did that for a while too. <laughs> you know, it's good to have parties, but it's good to just have home and family. And one without the other gets imbalanced. You've got to have both. God moves incrementally, and He wants you to move incrementally. One of the interesting things is I'm going to wrap this up here in just a second. That um, um, I was given a, a GPS navigator, and it was very helpful in downtown New York City, let me tell you, <laughs> and in Baltimore, which is even crazier. Uh, how many have had a GPS or ever used one? All right. You guys, you just got to go buy one, all right? Because <laughs> those things are stinking amazing, all right? They are. <laughs> and they, they fit into the palm of your hand. And you just stick it to your windshield, and it tells you exactly where you are, and you say, I want to go here. And it gets you there, all right? Um, and there's a little button on it that says, go home. So I was looking forward to it. I drive all the way to Baltimore and I punch in the address and it gets me to downtown New York. You know, it says turn right and then turn left. Okay, so I gotta get right and get in the left lane, you know. You know. <clears throat> and then, uh, then I'm like, oh, we're done it in New York. Okay, I get to, I get to push the go home button. So, 
go home and it says calculating. You know, and it reads where it's at in satellites and it shows you. And this is a cool thing. If you make a wrong turn, you know, it's the first thing I did when I got it was at, I punched in the directions and then I disobeyed. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> and it just said recalculating. Turn left. You know what this word restorer, restorer of streets to dwell in? It, it's a word, it's a primitive root, it means to turn back, literally or figuratively. And actually, in the dictionary I looked up, it says, not necessarily with the idea of return to the starting point. So I'm driving down the highway and I miss my exit. It doesn't say I have to go all the way back to Baltimore and start over again. Are you hearing me? All right. In life, we make mistakes. And the Holy Spirit says, recalculating. Turn right. Make a left. Say I'm sorry. Don't do that again. <laughs> you know, after about 15 times, you finally say, I'm just not going to go down that road again. Because it's a dead end. Because I have a destination. And that destination has been predetermined by God because He has a plan. And that plan is good. Do you think God's smarter than a GPS? <laughs> he is. And He knows how to get you home. You need to believe it. That you have a destination. That you have a purpose. That you have a calling. The application is to love God. Alright? You, you need to really settle this issue in your heart. You need to fall in love with God. Because He's already in love with you. Alright? He really is. You need to love God more than any other thing. And if you love God then you need to demonstrate that love through obedience. You're going, to, you're going to follow His will as best as you can. Knowing that when you make a mistake, the Holy Spirit's going to recalculate and get you back on track. Alright? And then you need to expect good. Alright? Everybody say, expect good. Because that's God's plan for your life. Amen. See you at some announcements. Sarah's announcements.